Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the Eco Wild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Southern Outdoors Podcast. Got a lot to discuss this week. We're hitting some blister Q&As towards the end of the show. If you want to skip ahead to those, you can go to the show notes and you can find the timestamps and uh, go ahead to those Q&As if that's what's grabbing your attention about this podcast. But in the meantime, we're going to talk about Jacob Lyshen's episode as well as uh, an encounter with our uh, target buck at the club. So got a lot to talk about. Uh, Jacob, what did you think of the episode? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, part one, part two, there's so many good information. I think we're going to have a lot of listener success stories come from it. But just because one thing about Jacob that I found interesting um, is just like how he does what he does in North Carolina, which y'all kind of heard in the episode, kind of his hunting and scouting tactics, especially in season, and how he'll apply that to everywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like, you know, plug and play, you know, <clears throat> you know, as he gets to different habitat and stuff, you know, it changes a little bit. Like, you know, you ask him, you know, what does security cover look like? And he's like, it really depends on like what state he's in and what kind of habitat they're hunting. Yeah. Um, but he does the exact same thing everywhere he goes, which I'm like, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, that that was impressive. That probably stuck out to me the most. And knowing him for a couple of years now and getting mm-hmm. to hang out with him some, you know, you can tell he's just, he's a very, uh, I think, disciplined individual. And he's a, he's very... Um, analytical about what he does. Like he runs his own business. I mean, and that takes like a certain level of, you know, a certain mindset to do that kind of thing. And I can almost see that like in his hunting where he's like, this is my process. This is what I do here. This is what I do there. And then I'll, and then I do this, and then I do that. And like, man, he's got it down to a T. And that was really interesting because I'm like, man, you really thought about this. Yeah. I mean, like, not like me, like spaghetti brain. Like I can't, I'm just like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like deer, you know? <laughs> Jacob is like, no, I got a process. Yeah. And that was very impressive to me. And I feel like he did a really good job of taking stuff that maybe a lot of people hit on mm-hmm. um, over the years who we've talked to. And he implements a lot of different tactics. But he, I don't know, he explained it in a really cohesive way that I feel like was really good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that and, you know, another thing that I found interesting is like, how especially, you know, in North Carolina, he's got cameras out, okay? And mm-hmm. he talked about that. But when he, like, travels other places and he's using the same strategy, he's not implementing trail cameras. So when he's talking yeah. about hunting, like, a specific deer, some people may not have picked this up, if, depending on how intently they were listening. But he's not using trail cameras to find a specific deer. He's finding specific sign mm-hmm. to find what he is assuming is a specific deer and then hunting that sign. Yeah. And a lot of times, the first time he sees the deer, he's either getting a shot or two or he gets observation on it, and then he makes a final move to try to get the deer killed. Yep. Um, and I'm like, that's awesome. I mean, it, it kind of goes back to, who was a, I mean, kind of Travis Murray, mm-hmm. you know, uh, kind of looking back at Travis Murray's episode, episode, I think it's 210 and 212. When, like, he got out, Travis used to use trail cameras a whole bunch down Mississippi, yeah. killed a ton of big deer. Uh, I mean, com- completely honest, I think in the southeast, he probably has the m- more big bucks killed than anybody we've ever interviewed. Um, yeah. But he got out of using trail cameras just because, you know, for whatever reason, he just he wasn't having fun with it anymore. Yeah. Um, but he would still find specific sign that he thought a specific deer was in the area mm-hmm. and hunting that sign. And a lot of times the first time he saw it was when he had a shot opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I was like, there's a lot of similarities between like what Jacob's kind of doing his mindset compared to like what Travis is doing as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and also another thing is just the decisiveness. Mm-hmm. I feel like he, he kind of relayed, like he, he seems very decisive about like what he's looking for mm-hmm. and then what he's going to do after the fact, yeah. uh, which is something that I know that you and me both struggle with, especially mm-hmm. on out of straight, uh, out of state trips. 
where you're not sure if what you found is the best thing. And I really like what he said about you have to compare it against whatever you're seeing on that trip. That's kind of one thing that bit us in Georgia a little bit, I think, yeah. is we went there, and what did we talk about in that whole podcast and in the video that's about to drop? Yep. Or actually, by the time this comes out, it will have already dropped our Georgia hunt live on our YouTube. So go check it out. Oh, you got ESPN notification. Let's go. Um <laughs> That's one thing that bit us there because that whole podcast, you can go back and listen to it. All we talked about was this sign is so crazy compared to what we're used to, yeah. you know. And we weren't we weren't really judging the sign against what we were seeing in Georgia as much as we were seeing it against the sign that we see in Alabama, in Alabama, yeah. and, and other places that we hunt. Uh, and so I feel like we kind of had a warped view of of what was really good sign and what wasn't, and basically ended up just hunting a different place every single day. Yeah, instead of like kind of buckling down, it, it seems like Jacob, you know. He doesn't do that. He's not bouncing around like yeah. you know. When he's scouting, he is. But like when he finds a spot, he's just kind of honing in on that area and slowly makes mm -hmm. his moves throughout that area. Yeah, um, picks and, it apart, which is again complete opposite of what we did in Georgia specifically. Yep. <laughs> yep. Complete opposite. Yeah. Um. So I mean, that is something that again, kind of going back to the Georgia trip. If we would probably implement that, especially on that one ridge system that you know you and me found a lot of the feed sign, you know, a lot of buck signs, scrapes, rubs, and everything. If we would have kind of kept pushing the envelope in that area mm -hmm. probably could have had more opportunities than if you were like, you know, didn't see anything on this hunt. Oh, let's bounce to this next area yeah. and bounce to this next area. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I, I, again, like a guy like uh, Jacob's just kind of fascinating because it, it's just so plug and play for him. Like, yeah, no matter where he's at, whether he's in, you know, North Dakota, South Dakota, Illinois, Wisconsin, uh, North Carolina, Alabama, Alabama. he's hunting Alabama a couple times does the exact same thing no matter where he goes, and, and it seems to work for him really, really well. And that's one reason why I think we're going to have more listener success stories from an episode like this, uh, just because it's something that's it really is kind of plug and play. And he kind of mentioned, you know, I was real curious, because he talked a lot about, like, you know, if you had, like, four or five days of hunt or six days of hunt, mm -hmm. how he goes about, you know, his regiment. And I kind of asked him, well, like, how does a guy that hunts only on the weekends implement this? Yeah. And he kind of gave examples of, like, what he's done in, in North Carolina where, like, you know, maybe he gets off work early Friday, um, and he can stay out Friday, or maybe he can. He just has Saturday, Sunday. You know, he'll scout pretty much all day Sunday. Maybe find a spot to sit Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon, all day Saturday. Scout all day Saturday. Maybe find a spot to sit Saturday afternoon. If not, he definitely will have something in his, you know, based off what he's finding, somewhere to sit for Sunday. Yep. Um, and I'm like, you know, if listeners have that opportunity where they can hunt Saturday and Sunday and implement that, I think we'll just have a lot more success stories because of that. And yeah. not just hunt the spot that like, you know, was great two weeks ago yeah. because of how things have changed. You know, you're trying to find the best thing at that point, you know, and be able to, you know, apply, implement it and hopefully kill a good buck. Yeah. Sounds like uh sounds like what we need to do in Arkansas. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're leaving for Arkansas uh immediately following this podcast. Yep. And uh <laughs> that yeah, for sure. Cause like when we scouted Arkansas a couple weeks ago, um, you know, we found a lot of really good sign. Like sign was really, really good, great rubs, great scrapes, the whole nine yards. And it, it really kinda opened my eyes to where the sign was in relate in relation to like hunting pressure, because there's like we had talked about it. I think we might mm -hmm. have mentioned it in the last episode. Um, that or one of these last uh, breakdown episodes that the pressure in some of these areas is a lot higher than what I'd seen the previous year. Yeah, man. When we were going over Onyx like two or three days ago, and you were like, "Yeah, there's a stand here, 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 here," and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, dude! Mm -hmm. Like there was way more stands in there than I thought there was." But it makes sense because you know we're getting nothing but nighttime stuff there. Yeah, um, uh, except for one camera. 
One, one, one camera's got some good stuff. One camera's got some daylight. Starting around the edge. Yeah, daylight, mature buck moving on it. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it makes me wonder, you know, based off that hunting pressure and how those guys are hunting, because that, that place still has the best sign, hands down. Yeah. Like, absolutely hands down from everything that we'd looked at. So, it's not like I would completely bounce from that area because of the hunting pressure, but kind of like what, you know, Jacob's talked about, you know, getting in some of those really hard-to-get locations. Most of these guys that are hunting, you know, they're hunting very obvious spots that, mm-hmm. you know, some you can see on a map, some when you walk in, they're like, of course, someone's going to have a ladder stand here. Yes. Or hang, or hang a climber and, you know, you know, cable lock it to a tree. Um, but you start finding some of those more, I guess... Once you find the hunting pressure, where those all those people are at, you can kind of see the area that you presume whether you've scattered it or not. There's probably less pressure there, and that's probably where a buck can move or bed or again just travel during daylight hours and not get seen. And then also setting up, and we talked about this for opening day, setting up for specifically that hunting pressure kind of downwind of a lot of that hunting yeah. pressure. Yep. So that you know more than likely, you know, a lot of these guys are going to be bumping, especially does and probably some bucks too. And be able to set up in some of that thick cover and those thick transitions, mm-hmm. you know, four or five hundred yards away from them. Yeah. Where you know, if a deer gets bumped, he's probably going to go into some of that cover in the does too. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of setting up, really banking on that hunting pressure coming in, and kind of tr- try to capitalize on that hunting pressure to kind of help you out. Yeah, I'm kind of excited about that because that can that can in the rut especially. I mean, that can really end up being good. It's like you're mm-hmm. kind of kicking the nest a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, and getting them all running all over the place. That can really aggravate some movement get them going so well it's, it goes back to like west moe's episode uh, i think it's uh episode like 178 or 179 with west moe talking about hunting like a wolf pack yep you're using those other hunters and their pressure as that wolf pack movement yes we're like okay yeah. like, hey i know for certain there are guys in this big quadrant that are hunting mm-hmm. well let's shift over to the quadrant and just adjacent to them just downwind of them um or just crosswind to them and see if we can get some deer yeah. movement kind of going that where's direction. That, where's that thicket downwind of those guys? Yeah, yeah. You know, let's get on the edge of that thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's going to be fun, dude. I'm excited. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about Arkansas. I'm sure we're going to record a podcast or two while we're in camp, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of going over everything. But, yeah, you're going to head out today, go run some cameras that we got out there, uh, and then I'm going to go down in a couple of days. You're going to have a good time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun. Uh, outside of that, a little bit of ground to cover with the hunting club, uh, kind of get people updated on what's going on there. So, Interesting weekend oh, out yeah. there for sure. Uh, we ended up going out to the club uh, actually because we had we were going to hunt somewhere else this weekend, but we had that podcast with Jacob mm-hmm. that we really didn't want to miss. Uh, so we we decided, hey, let's just hunt close to the house. So I was like, well, let's just go out to the club. And I was trying to get you to bring your dang bow because I know you're wanting to go on doe patrol. And uh, and you were like, no, I'll just film. I'll just film. So I was like, okay. Even though I, I wanted three people with bows out there, I told you that we would get on some bucks. And uh, that morning hunt rolled around and. So if people haven't listened in the past, uh, there's a there's a big 10-point on the club that we're hunting. Big, nice buck. And he's got a couple other bucks running with him. There's a couple nice eight points. There's a big six-point that Jacob really likes. And uh, and we've been, we've been kind of running cameras around where this deer lives and actually pulled all the cameras to go put him in Arkansas. Yep. So I haven't, I haven't had him on camera in quite a while now. Uh, but based on where I got him on camera last year, I got him on camera one time last year. And where I got him on camera this summer, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know where, where he's living yeah. and where he's bedding. And uh, also, there's a guy that, that's also in the club who's also an adjacent <laughs> landowner named Cody. 
uh, and he, he's been sharing some information with me. He's chasing the same deer, and uh, me and him have been swapping some information back and forth, which, Cody, if you're listening, I appreciate you, man. Uh, he's been sharing some uh, photos and stuff, which actually ties into this story. Mm-hmm. And so based on all that, I'm like, I think I know where this deer is living, or at least one of the places that he likes to bed. Yeah. And so for the Saturday morning hunt, I'm like, I don't really want to go in there because I don't, I don't think we could get in there and, and do any good. I think we'll bump him or, yeah. or ch- chase him in there. You know, he might be getting in late or I just don't know. I, I, this just seems like more of an afternoon spot to me. Yeah. So I just kind of threw a dart at the board and we hunted a random spot Saturday morning. It was terrible. Uh, and then Mike, he came out that morning with us as well. And Mike, we're still trying to get Mike his first deer. Now, again, when we say Mike, it's not Michael Pike. Not Michael Pike. Mike Dillon. Yeah. My stepdad. Uh, we're trying to get him his first deer. So he's been bow hunting hard. He's been getting after it uh, and really hunting hard trying to get his first deer. And my plan for the afternoon, I was like, this morning, everyone just go try to kill a doe. Like, mm-hmm. just go hunt wherever. And But this afternoon, like, we're going to go in here and we're going to really try to kill this deer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I will mention as well that... Going into this spot, last week it was like really cold. Mm-hmm. We had a big cold front, frost, first frost of the year. It was awesome. And now we're on the backswing of that, and so it's warm again. And it was like 78 degrees that afternoon. So not yeah. like a great day of hunting, as most people would put it. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I think we're close to the bedding. Uh, I think he's in there, so we're just going to go. Yeah. We're just going to do it. So we set up that afternoon. And one of the reasons I wanted you to bring your bow and hunt is because there's basically how the terrain sets up in the habitat. There's basically three ways that I think that he exits this area. Really, there's like five, but there's three main ones that I think he's exiting. And I wanted to basically just put one of us on each of those. And you're like, no, I'm just gonna film. I don't want to shoot one of your bucks. I'm like, whatever, whatever. So, so you came, you came with me and filmed. Should have sent you a mic. I sent, I sent Mike to a spot where. When that cold front rolled through, mm-hmm. I don't know if we talked about this already. No, not really. Okay, so when that cold front rolled through, it came in on a Monday, and I knocked off work a little bit early, and I went out at like 4 o'clock or something. On And the club's five minutes from the house, so that's why I joined it. It's so close. And I, I went out there on the front end of that cold front. It was real windy, but I was like, eh, I just want to hunt like it's cold. This thing, you never know what'll happen. And I went to a spot that me and you found when we were actually scouting turkeys. Mm-hmm. And we walked down through this bedding area, and we found basically a really nice deer trail coming out of it that comes around a terrain feature and uh, has a bunch of oaks around it. Yeah. And it just looked really good. I was like, man, we, we should come back in here. Haven't been back in there since. I've been around it since, but I haven't been back in there since that. So Monday, I'm like, I'm just going to dive in there for an afternoon hunt. And it, it just took me longer to get in there than I thought. I don't think I was climbing the tree until like 5 o'clock which this is before the time change, so I still had a, a little bit of daylight left at that point. But as I was making my way in there, it was like, boom, rub, 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 rub. Get, I get to that particular spot where all those oaks are and that trail's coming out, and I look around, and there's just rubs kind of all over the place, like whip rub here, snapped off over there, good rub over here, like the size of my forearm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this club has a complete lack of buck sign on it. Yeah, it like, does. I it- never find buck sign on this club. Yep. I don't know why, but when I found that, I was like, this is as good as I've ever seen on the club. Like, yep. they're obviously coming through here. And I didn't know if it was just one buck or if they're still bachelored up. Uh, actually, the thought of them being bachelored up did not even cross my mind at all because I'm like, it's freaking November 4th. That comes to the story, guys. 
So uh, I found that spot, and I'm like, this is the spot. This is the kill spot. Yep. So I sent Mike there. Uh, when I walked into that spot on that Monday, there was already a doe standing in that spot, and I bumped her off, and the wind was iffy. I probably shouldn't have even went in there, but I'm glad that I did and kind of pushed the envelope a little bit. So I get out of there, and I just kind of keep it in the back of my mind. I'm like, we need to get in there ASAP mm-hmm. to you know strike while the iron's hot. So I put Mike, uh, we, we get on Onyx, drop the pin for him. We like draw his route. And I'm like, Hey, you need to walk this way. You know, I think you drew the exact route. Like you were like, Hey, walk in this way and then cut up and walk straight to the tree mm-hmm. and showed him how to access it. And, uh, and so we sent Mike to that spot and me and you went to a different spot that another, it's another spot I haven't been to yet, but I've had cameras essentially it's a, it's a habitat break. So it's where, it's where some one thickness of pine meets another thickness of pine. So like, Unthinned pines meet thin pines, basically. Uh, and it's and it's really, really thick right there. And it also falls on an interesting terrain feature. So I wanted to go to that spot because I've had bucks on picture uh, on camera on both sides of it. Mm-hmm. So like 100 yards on each side of it, there's trail crossings. And I've, I've had them on camera in both of those in daylight. So I'm like, this they're spending some time in there for sure. So I want to dive in and check out that little terrain feature. So that's what me and you did. Uh, kind of an experimental sit. We uh, we get in there and uh, we ended up finding some whip rubs pretty much right off the bat. Some, yeah, some pretty nice ones too. There was one about the size of our thumb that was broke ripped up. off. Yeah, but it was like subtle because it was. Uh, I think a couple of them were maybe a, a little bit fresher, but a lot of them were like right when the velvet came off. It looked like yeah, because like you really had a look. You're like because like the one I saw that was broken off, the one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. At first, I was like we were we were standing there like at that transition. And I just haven't looked down. I'm like that look that 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 sapling looks a little funky because it was you know bro- it was broke off probably five you know probably six inches off the ground something like that. Um, and I kept looking at it. I'm like that sucker just broke off because the top was laying there, oh, yeah. but there's no leaves on because again it was early and all the leaves had fallen off already. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm like there's deer coming through. But also one thing you mentioned in Jacob's episode when he was talking about like the leaves and like mm-hmm. you know like the crunch or like. Um, I think was that with Jamie? No, that was with Jamie. That was, a, oh, well, that comes out next. <laughs> that comes out. That comes out soon. But it was, <laughs> but like the whole leaf aspect. Like we got in there, and there was like there was there was a trail a little bit lower down um, when we were kind of yeah. working up into the spot. Pretty good trail. But we too. get up there, and it was just kind of like meandering. Yes. Like the the trail system was kind of meandering. Like it wasn't like a hard line trail, but you like get in a spot, and all of a sudden, like the leaves were going from like being real loud and lofty to like they were kind of like broken up. Yeah. And like, kind of like in like a an area, kind of moving out. Like, okay, well, there's definitely deer walking through here. Yeah, um, yeah, that's something that we'll y'all y'all will hear in an episode coming out soon. Yeah, because uh, we discussed that with a, a future guest, and we actually talked about that scenario where it's so dry. There's some hickories uh, dropping their leaves in there, and those hickory leaves are just like sitting like this high off the ground. They're just like real dry, real crunchy, mm-hmm. and so it was loud as crap going in there. Yep. But you got to that spot, and it got it got quieter, little, and they were all kind of crushed. A little, little woodsmanship. What, what did we do to kind of cover up our sound as we were walking in? Listen, I was I was putting that sweet little hen yelp out there. That, that, little, that little yacht yacht. Yeah, I put that yacht yacht on him. Y'all go check out the yacht yacht podcast live. The man. yacht yacht show. Best uh, best intro in the game. In the game. Oh my gosh, man, he's hilarious. Anyways, um, so yeah, I, we were walking in. I was scratching a little bit and just doing a little hen yelp, mm-hmm. and uh, and that helps a lot, man. But that give, give crap, us a, give us a hen yelp to give listeners that crap natu- works. Natural voice. So just like that. 
can't gobble, but gobble. Yeah. Um, so just walking in, doing that every once in a while, and that puts them at ease because you know, thankfully, turkeys walk around on two legs like we do. Yep. So you can sound just like a turkey, and they make a lot of noise. Yeah. And I'll be danged if we weren't halfway up the tree and a big old gobbler came up in there, son. I was like, yeah, well, called we, him yeah, in. we hear something walking, and you're like, what is that? I'm like, because I was hanging this, I was like three sticks high. And all of a sudden, I like look down, and he's like coming just right down below us at like. I uh, mean, swinging beard. So. Yeah, it just and I was like, oh my god, because like at first, like is that a deer? And I'm like, oh my, god. I'm like, oh my god, it's a turkey. It's a big gobbler. <laughs> I'm like, drop a pin on him because we're coming back in the springtime. Oh yeah, dude, he had one of them beards that goes out and kind of bulbs out at yeah, the bottom. Yeah. Oh, but he he big old body turkey, dude. Like oh yeah. Like he, butterball, he, he'd eat good. Oh, he did good. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. Called up a turkey. That made me feel good. But one thing we noticed right when we got in the stand is um, everything. Like the woods just seemed like kind of alive. You know, that oh, yeah. morning was like very quiet, yeah. kind of slow. Like the squirrels weren't even moving. When yep. we got to this spot, man, there were like eighty-five squirrels just having a great time squirrels birds everything like it's just, the woods were just alive yeah which is kind of interesting you like you hear other people talk about that like you get in a spot and like for whatever reason it's like everything's awake and active mm-hmm. and by god the deer were too yeah yes they were so basically to to cut to the chase uh mike ended up having an encounter so he went and got in that spot he got in the exact tree that I told him to get in. Uh, he got in the same tree that I got in last time, and it's a good it's a good tree to get in because it's a white oak. That's I mean it's pretty big. Uh, it's really comfortable for a saddle, perfect for a climber, and you have I think it's a maple right right next to you to your left, which is where the deer come from. And this maple is like very bushy and thick, and you could just barely see through it in some spots. I mean you got to like kind of look through yeah. there to see through it. But I was telling Mike, I'm like, you're going to hear them coming because it's going to be really loud. But also, you can just kind of watch over there and just see if you can catch any movement. And if something's coming, you're going to be able to catch enough bits and pieces to know what it is, you know, if it's a nice buck or a doe or whatever. And you have got you can move as much as you want behind this thing. Like, they're not going to see you. And by the time they pop out, they're going to be 15 yards broadside, yeah. and you should already be at full draw. So Mike, uh, he went and hunted that spot, and at 5.30, which is – a good hour before dark, a good uh, hour before shooting light ends, he hears something, and lo and behold, here comes a bachelor group of bucks right down the hill. Yep. Right down where all the whip rubs are, where these white oaks are dropping. There's some sparkleberry right there. It's he real had the, rocky. He had the encounter I've been dreaming of. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, and er, like, uh, quote, unquote, early season, because this is super far from the rut. This place isn't right until, like, January. Yeah. And to have a bachelor group of bucks come through like that. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, yeah. oh, my God. So, it was... And, uh, and like... Two or three shooters in the group. Yeah. You know, three three shooters in the group. Um, so, yeah, Mike's trying to get his first deer. That's why I put him in the spot. I mean, I thought some deer would be coming through there. Uh, I did not expect the bachelor group that we had on camera all summer to be coming through well, there. And, Same bucks. And, and to give a little backstory as well, like we've talked to Mike, like, whatever is legal, shoot it. Like, yes. for your first, like for your first year, like get some experience. So, spike, doe, whatever, doe fawn, big giant buck, whatever. Yeah, let, and just by ha- just by happen, three of the biggest bucks in the property. Yes, and two small bucks come walking by at twenty five yards. Yeah, maybe? so the the lead buck was the big ten. Yeah, so he came out first, which is kind of interesting. Uh, it was it was the big ten. It was an eight point we've had on camera, mm-hmm. the big six we've had on camera, and then two spikes. Mm-hmm. So they came out in that order, and uh, they they were feeding around Mike. Uh, they uh, the big ten got to about. 
25 yards and it's still like light outside he oh, was yeah. like he was like these bucks are like standing there like looking into the sunlight like the sunlight's beaming off of them i'm like oh i wish i was there that <laughs> sounds mm. awesome mm. should have sent jacob with a with mike with the camera equipment um and he was just he was just feeding under those oaks and in, in, in amongst that sparkleberry and uh yeah mike took a crack at him and smoked a limb smoked a limb which okay so mike texts me we're in the stand mike texts me he's like just shot at a buck. I think I hit him. And I was like, oh my gosh. So we called him. And basically he said, when he shot, he heard like a loud whack. He's like, I don't know if that means I hit him or not. Cause Mike hasn't, you know, he's never shot a deer with a bow yet. But he said it didn't sound like it hit the dirt. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's missed a couple deer this year. Yeah. And he's like, it didn't sound like it hit the dirt. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, but it, it was like a loud whack. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, you might have got him. Like, we really thought, I thought he hit the deer. Yeah. Because he was like, he was standing in like all these rocks. There was a whole bunch of rocks around him, and it, it is extremely rocky in there. And uh, I was like, if you missed and hit a rock, it would have been a very distinct sound. It's like a 22 <laughs> going off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it would have been like a very loud, sharp sound. And he's like, no, it was, it was like a whack. And so I was like, well, he either hit a limb or the deer. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping he hit the deer. And uh, after we get off the phone with him, we have a couple does walk in on us. They came down that that bigger trail uh, that we were set up basically right on top of, and uh, this doe kind of fooled us a little bit. Uh, she's lucky. She's lucky she had like this this fur on her ears or whatever. So she's walking in and she had like a little white streak of fur like on the outside of her ear. No, well, I think it was the outside. Or, outside it was right on I, the edge of the yeah, ear. Yeah, but like when she's walking in, I'm like, I see the deer coming, and I'm like, I, I'm like, I, I, I can see him really good when they're coming in. And I'm like, oh, it's a spike. I like, thought the same thing. Because you're trying to get it, you're just your boat. And I didn't know it was a doe. Like, I could see her probably 30 yards, maybe. Yeah. And um, I, I couldn't see, I couldn't tell it was a doe until she's like 15 yards. And I'm like, it's a doe. It's not a spike. <laughs> it's a doe. And I'm filming her. And like, see, I was on one side of the tree. You're on the other side of the tree. And on my side of the tree, I felt pretty exposed because I'm like, I can see them plain as day. Like, there's not a whole oh, bunch yeah. of stuff in the way. And I'm like, just filming. I'm like, dude, if she looks up here. She's going to be like, what the heck is Oliver Anthony doing up in that tree? <laughs> He's like, hey, I love your song. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, but um, it, but she, she never did. But it, it, it was kind of a cluster. Because, again, we were, you're still, I mean, we're still game trying to shoot a doe, too. Man. Oh, I was going to smoke that doe. And, um, yeah, I was, trying to, I was trying to get turned around. So I'm, like, flipping around because she's on my weak side, and there's two of them. Mm-hmm. And I, I see the first one coming. And she was kind of a smaller doe, too. And uh, she was coming to us, and I saw the same thing you saw. I'm like, oh, it's a spike. And then, like, three seconds later, you're like, it's a spike. It's a spike. I was like, crap. But then the other doe was swinging right through one of my lanes, and it was one of the lanes that I didn't have to, like, completely go up under my tether and, like, turn around to Mm -hmm. shoot. It was one that I could just swing and shoot off my offside. Mm -hmm. So I switched to do that, and uh, the lead doe, who is at this point is, like, 12 yards away, she is, she smells something. I think mm. she smelled something. I don't think she saw us. Um, but she smelled something and she kind of stopped and she's like looking around. And then at that point, that's when we realized she's a doe and she's like stopped behind this big limb. But I've got, I've got a shooting, I've got a hole in that, in that big like leaf cover. I've got a hole like about that big, a little bigger than a dinner plate, mm. right on the kill spot. Mm. I mean, like perfect right there. And I feel very comfortable taking that shot. And so I'm like, crap, because now I'm like, I could I could draw and take the shot, but the problem is I'm just like leaned back a little bit, a little bit too far. Where in order to like get up, mm-hmm. you know, where I could shoot through that hole, I would have to basically like lean up, and 
I, I didn't feel like I'd be very stable, even though it's like 12 yards, because I've already had a bad experience with a deflection this year. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not going to risk it. I'm going to just see if she moves a little bit or if this – I needed the other one to take like two steps, mm-hmm. and she would have been wide open at 20 yards, and I would have felt very comfortable. Well, this is a – so this is a good lesson for listeners, a good, good learning lesson. When you think turkey calls – Think of Houndstooth. Houndstooth Game Calls is a company based right here in Alabama, actually based out of Tuscaloosa, and they have been making some of our favorite turkey calls since 2012. Y'all head on over to their website, see what they got. They got a little something for everybody. They have a huge selection of different mouth calls, different cuts, different read configuration. I like to go on there and get five or six different mouth calls and just run them, see which ones I like the most. You know, some days I might like the KB Hen, some days I might like the Ghost Cut. Some situations I might like the Country Girl Call, you know, that I can cut on really hard where on other situations I might like the all pro that I can get a little bit softer on. Bottom line, there's something for everybody and something for every situation. And hey, you can get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls by using the promo code SOP24. That's SOP24. Use that promo code. It'll get you a discount and it helps out the podcast. True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981 and offering a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock choke, and it's to improve your shotgun performance. Absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck, again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. So, Andrew, what's been your experience so far? Yeah, I've, always, I've used the same choke for several years now. I never really thought much of it, and I got the True Lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at... Uh, 30 and 50 and then I switched to the true lock and changed from 30 to 50 and the 50 yard pattern on my gun with the true lock choke is unbelievable like everybody's jaws were dropping like when we were out there with Mike and Sam we were all super impressed I mean it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke and Andrew you're shooting the precision hunter choke from true lock it's a great option same chokes I have in my shotgun so guys if you want to give true lock a shot this spring you can head over to truelockchokes.com that's t-r-u-l-o-c-k chokes.com you can also use the promo code southern at checkout at truelockchokes.com and save 10% on your order again give true lock a shot this spring especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun and shoot with a more deadly pattern with true lock. So Andrew's talking about like, we're talking about like these deer are coming in on Andrew's weak side. So they're, they're coming from his right side as a bow hunter. Um, and when you were spinning around, like when we, when we first thought it was a dead or a spike, mm-hmm. I thought you had already spun around where you had your tether, your, you know, had your back up against the tree with the tether coming across the top so you could shoot it. Mm-hmm. So I thought you were good. Cause I never looked back at you the whole time. I was just like, yeah. just fixated on the deer and filming the deer. Um, and that's that's a good lesson for everybody. Like, if you're hunting specifically in a saddle, or I mean, a, a lock on too. I mean, you spin around. But if you're hunting in a saddle and you have deer coming in, whether you're trying to shoot a doe, or to be honest, even if you're not quite sure you want to shoot a doe, maybe try to shoot a buck. But a doe, like you see a deer coming in and it's mm-hmm. on your weak side. As soon as you can, you should spin around. Oh yeah, and, and get prepared for it in case there's a buck behind him, or in case you want to shoot that doe. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not trying to do it when we were trying to do it at she was at 12 yards, and you're trying to spin. And, and funny enough, like when you were like moving around, like you were moving around a good bit, and she never looked up at us. No, I like, never once looked up at us. She kept looking like further. I up completely the hill. spun my entire body around, and she never looked. At yeah, us. and I was like. 
huh. I'm like, we're about to get busted. We're about to get busted. We're about to get busted. And she just like never looked our way yet that close. Yeah. And uh, But long story short, they kind of eased off. They didn't really like bust or anything. Like she kept smelling something. We had a squirrel come like hopping by us. And she never looked at the squirrel. She kept looking like on the ridge. She kept, yeah, she kept looking up the ridge. I'm like, is something about to come off this ridge? Yeah. Because we could hear stuff up there. I'm like, maybe a buck's about to come down. Oh, that would that would have been crazy. Oh, yeah. But uh, anyway, but anyway, so she kind of like, after a while, you know, started getting... We were losing light and losing light and losing light and losing light. I think that whole encounter, I looked at the footage, was like 36 minutes long. Yeah. And finally, it kind of like dropped down the ridge. But when they, one thing we didn't mention, we actually, well, so they dropped down the ridge and kind of dropped down below us or dropped down the hill below us. And we kept hearing other deer walking around. Like they kind of, mm-hmm. they kind of go across the other side. And we then, yeah. now it's, you know, it's at legal light. And you can start hearing deer walking just yep. down below us. I'm like, it's like everything came out. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like everything was there. Yeah, there's a lot of deer in there. I actually still, I feel really good about that spot um, mm-hmm. going in, especially going into the rut. I think that's going to be an awesome, awesome area. Yeah. Uh, you could sit the creek and shoot one crossing the creek for sure. Yeah. Because um, that creek is like very straight. And the creek is like, most of it is like ankle deep on a person, but there's little shoals in it. There's little, there's little spots where the water just kind of runs over the rocks and it's mm-hmm. just like not even ankle deep. Yeah. And the deer like to cross on those. And there's one straight away right below where we were. Mm-hmm. Where man, there was like, there's like three of those shoals in a row, and you're downwind of a food plot too, and it's just a, it's a good spot. So I think that might be something we end up doing in rifle season is just sitting on the creek and just you can catch one either running, running on either side of the creek, paralleling it, or possibly crossing the creek on one of those shoals. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a pretty pretty neat little area. So yeah, that didn't work out. Uh, ended up just kind of letting them go. Like there was a few instances where I could have forced a shot, but I'm just like. No, I, I, I was thinking I'm like, don't force anything. No. First off, we had to do Jacob's episode in like an hour and a half, and we had a potential, you know, track job and everything with Mike too at this point. So yeah. I'm like, I'm only going to shoot this doe if she's like just makes it way easy. Yeah, because you know they they kind of turned around and started to run off a little bit, and they ran like ten yards and then stopped again, and they came back, and then came back. Yeah, and I, and when they started coming back, I'm like, oh babe, you're about to get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then uh, and then they. They just they didn't come quite close enough. They went through some lanes, but at that point it was dark enough where I'm like, I don't remember if that lane was wide open or not. Yeah, because everything that's one thing you realize too, especially well morning or evenings, like at, right at first light or right you know when you're getting down the last five ten minutes of legal light, it's like when it gets darker, it looks like it's more open than what it is. Yeah, and you don't realize there's like twigs and branches and small branches and saplings and stuff like in the way. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh man, it's like a wide open shot, and then you shoot and your arrow like hits one so it goes dunk. Yeah, just yeah. like goes to the stratosphere yeah so i like yeah they they went through a couple there was one lane that i knew for a fact was wide open and there was a big pine tree right at the back of it and mm-hmm. i just needed them to walk in front of that pine tree mm-hmm. and it was like 25 yards wide open uh and both of them walked right behind it and i yeah. was like ah, all right this ain't happening so we just kind of let them go well and after then, that we pretty much bounced went to the truck met up with mike yeah walked in we were talking to him we're all excited like we're filming everything like we're like dude we're out there filming recovery yeah i'm like you know mike hopefully made a pretty good shot you know mike's been practicing a whole bunch with his bow and um one thing about where michael's at you know it's kind of higher stem count right there um and he's like you know i could shoot up underneath it like i can shoot like right to the deer and we get over there and kind of get up on that spot and it was kind of funny because we get there and i'm like because he couldn't find blood because he walked up couldn't find his arrow couldn't find blood 
And oh yeah, that was another thing. When he said he couldn't find the arrow, I'm like, that arrow's in the deer because he's shooting a yeah. big giant rage. And yeah, I'm like, he didn't get a pass through. He's it's a, it's in the deer. So I'm like, I'm feeling real good yeah. at that point. Well, we get up and I'm like, I'm like, oh, there's blood right there. Oh, and so we're like all of our, all you know, we're all like like jumped up anxiety and like, like I like ran up. There, yeah, we like, like a little kid. ran up there and it was like you know, just a couple yards from us. We saw it with the light. And I got an adrenaline dump when you said that when we were out there. You're like, there's blood. I was like. <gasps> Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, and we gosh. walked up, and it was like a maple leaf or something yeah. that had like some red heat, like freaking splotches on it. What and an amateur! Dude, it, but it, oh man, it looked like <laughs> it from just, I, I was too amateur. Worked, I was too worked up. I was too worked up. Nah, dude, I'll tell you something. When you shoot a deer, and you're like, say you're like you're in, in like a, a clear cut or like a fallow field or something, and there's like that. Uh, I don't know if it's that big blue stem or whatever, but it has like that red hue on like the. Yeah, it's tough, dude. You'll. Like you shoot a deer and you start walking by, is that blood? Is that blood? Because it's got like red on the uh, like some of the lower leaves of that of that grass, and yeah. then on the stalks, kind of like reddish color. Yeah. And dude, it get it will, you every time. It will mess you up so bad. Get you every time. Because like, that button, you start rubbing on it, it doesn't come off. Like, oh crap. Dude, so we go in there with your uh, your just insane flashlight. It's like unleashing the sun. It's yeah. so bright. Sixty five hundred lumens. Yeah, that is the blood trailing light right there. Yep. And we, we go up, find where the buck was standing, see where it kicked out. You found a maple leaf that looked like blood. <laughs> and uh and then I'm like, okay, you guys just stay right here where the buck was and just kind of like comb the ground, like look for subtle stuff, see if you can find hair. I'm gonna do a, a loop around you in the direction he went and just see if I pick up anything. And I get like four steps away and i'm like oh there's the arrow and uh yeah clean as a whistle yeah i i and you know it's kind of out of desperation i'm like looking real close at the arrow like is there anything on it i'm smelling it it. nothing nothing and then i look at the broadhead and the broadhead has got like tree bark in it yeah and it was just laying on the ground it wasn't like buried in the ground or anything it was just laying on top of the leaves uh and i was like yeah you definitely hit a limb that's that's what that smack was uh, it, it deflected. It was like five feet to the right of where the buck was standing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, you definitely just got a deflection. So bummer. But man, Mike was so fired up about seeing those. The next day, he texted me. He was like, that was so awesome. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm so I'm just glad you got to see. That's, that's the first time he's seen a rack buck out of the that's stand. That's the first time he's ever seen a rack buck out of the stand, and I think that was the biggest buck he's ever seen. Yeah. Uh, so like, dude, that, that got me like, that's why I put him there, dude. Cause I wanted him to have an experience like that. So that was, well, it, I, I go back to a story. I told him this too, cause I, I've had, I think, you know, all bow hunters, I mean, even gun hunters have had like heartbreak stories of like the ones that got away. Oh yeah. And I had one on a piece of public. That's like the biggest deer ever. Well, one of the biggest deer ever like had to be able to get drawn back on a bow or drawn back on my bow. And it was coming in similar situation, like like it was coming out of uh, like an older clear cut, like probably like six year old pines, coming down to the SMZ, coming down to the creek, and I was like at that function where like where this SMZ went up off the creek, and I was sitting down there next to the creek, and there was a real good sign down there. Yep. And uh, dude, that that buck came in, awesome eight, big eight point, comes down, and I'm like I can like see his steps come, like I mm. see his legs coming, and like hear him, just like slow walking. And I'm sitting in my – I was using a lock-on at the time when it was a lone wolf alpha uh, lock-on. So I was like eight feet off the ground maybe because there's like real small trees I was in mm-hmm. uh, down by that creek. And it comes in, dude, and it, it comes – and it's like wide open. Like it's like a big tunnel underneath all the canopy, wide open like 35 yards. <laughs> and he steps right into it, and it's like getting down like that lower light where like you can still see the deer real good, but like you get like five, six, eight minutes left to shoot. Yeah. And uh, he stops, and he stops right behind a sapling that is not bigger than, like, 
maybe a quarter in diameter, and it's and it's it's right behind the crease of his shoulder. I'm like, <laughs> all I'm like, all I have to do is not hit that limb, <laughs> and, or not hit that sapling, and he's dead. And I draw back and I hold just a couple inches behind that sapling to the left of that sapling. I draw back and I let it fly. And I tell you, you could not have center punched that sapling better. <laughs> I could have, I could have done it if I tried. Okay. And I I center punched it. I hit it. It deflects under there. And I had a you know lighted knock. And you see this like green light knock go out and goes ding and it goes under there and skips back up and like just goes up into a tree. And that buck he like bounds off 30, 40 yards and like yep. just stands there. Mm. And then I like, just stood there all the way till it got dark, and then he just started slow walking down the creek. Oh, and I'm God. like, "Are you kidding me, man? Yeah. Like, oh my God, brutal." Yep. So happens, happens to the best of us. Yeah. So the good news is, uh, one, I don't think that deer knew what actually happened. Oh no, he thought a squirrel th- was throwing sticks or something at him. Yeah. Uh, Mike said they all ran around the side of the hill, but I think he said one of the spikes stopped and just stood there and like looked around for a while. So I don't, I don't think they actually knew what happened. Uh, so I don't, I'm not really concerned about him like blowing them out of the area. Mm-hmm. I think that bedding area is so secure compared to at least how people hunt our property and how people are hunting neighboring properties. I think he's so secure right there. I think he uses it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that bachelor group too. I think you know I didn't know they were still together, but that's the same bachelor group we were getting on camera in this, this summer. Yeah. and they're they're still together right now. This happened I think on November fourth. I yeah. think yeah, fourth or fifth. Uh, so that goes to show, like, if you're in the rut right now, as this episode drops, like, we're a pretty good ways out from the rut. We're still bachelored up here in November. And uh, I was I was talking to Cody. I, I told Cody, I'm like, hey, man, stepdad missed that 10 tonight. Yep. Uh, and he's got, like I said, he's he hunts a couple of adjoining properties. And he got pictures of that same bachelor group. It was the 10, the 6, and those other deer mm-hmm. at 730. So two hours later. Um, and it's kind of weird. Yeah, really. Yeah, two hours later. Oh, and then again at midnight on his place. Wow. Yeah, interesting. We'll have to look at the map and uh, check that out. Huh? Because of the direction that they went, I was I was surprised that they ended up on his property. But anyways, so that was really good to know. The other good news, and this is what I told Mike. I'm like, sucks you missed him. Awesome encounter. We're not even close to the best part of the season yet. Mm-hmm. And the fact that now we have this. Again, like this data point, we have this information that they are using this. They're using it how we thought they would, and just the overall number of bucks in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much they they're gonna disperse or whatever, but we have we have some stuff already set up to hunt in this area. Where when rifle season comes in, I'm extremely confident that we're gonna get a crack at one of these deer. Yeah, very confident because uh, we kind of did our homework last year and and. You know, haven't scouted it overly hard, honestly, but just how I think they're going to move through there, and this confirmed it because of to get to where he went, he had to go through some very specific terrain features that we have set up to hunt that our 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 access is money. I hunted as many times as you want, mm-hmm. so I, I'm feeling really good about gun season. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a good hunt, man. Yeah. It was a good hunt. For sure. So. For sure. Well, real quick, we have a few minutes left. Let's uh, get over to some listener Q&A. So, appreciate everybody been uh, submitting new Q&As. Again, you can go down the, the link down in the show notes or on this video podcast and submit your uh, questions for us to kind of answer on these uh, outro breakdown episodes. Um, and, dude, we've had some really good ones come in. It's, it's been pretty exciting kind of seeing all the different ones popping up. But also... 
we appreciate everybody has been submitting these listener success stories. I mean, there, I think there was one day. I mean, we're getting multiple a day, but like, I think there was one day we had eight or nine come in in one day. Just like you guys are just killing awesome deer, whether it's, you know, first day, the first year you've killed in, you know, many years, your biggest buck, your best buck, you know, first bow buck, whatever. Uh, and really appreciate those listener success stories coming in. So again, you can click down the show notes below as well and, uh, and submit your listener success story there. Um, so just, appreciate that it's awesome kind of seeing you guys going out implementing a lot of these things that these guests have talked about um and actually having you know really really good success doing so so it's uh been awesome kind of see that but absolutely uh all right we got a couple here um this is from isaac ellison um he's a listener success from last year actually and he's he's the struggle bus on apple okay so uh our apple podcast reviewers Old Struggle Bus coming in. He said, hey, guys, I'm hanging in the tree as I type this, and I have to come into this spot blind this morning. Uh, and I've turkey hunted this WMA in the past, and I've walked past this spot a few times in the spring. But now I'm hunting it with little time, and I have to – what little time I have due to work and being a dad, I'm taking every opportunity I can to get it being in the woods. So my question is, if I took you to a random southern WMA hill country slash rolling hills, and you only had one day to hunt it, and only a morning and evening to get it done and to kill a deer, what terrain features slash habitat are you going to hunt uh, and you can use Onyx to e-scout, but no boots on the ground scouting ahead of time. And to make it interesting, let's do bow hunting first and then let's talk about a rifle spot. And I know what Andrew is going to say about a rifle spot. So no gas lines or power lines or WMA food plots. Uh, And for time of year, let's do mid-October bow hunt and then you have one more day during the rut later in the season with a rifle. I hope this isn't too confusing. I know that going in blind can be difficult, and I know scouting boots on the ground is key, but for the circumstances I'm in this morning, I was just hanging in the saddle and uh, was curious what you guys would do in this situation. I hope both of y'all smack a giant this year, and I hope it only takes Andrew one shot. <laughs> and make sure Jacob only has one shell on his rifle so he can shoot only shoot cough-cough one buck. <laughs> y'all, y'all stay safe. Struggle bus out! Yeah. All right. That's good, man. That's good stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna take this one first. Yeah. Um, if I had one day to bow hunt on just a random uh, hill country WMA, I think I'm focusing on compounding habitat features first. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's more gentle rolling hills, I think I'm gonna focus more on on that. If it's a little bit rougher rolling hills, I might try to get like a terrain feature in relation to it. But first and foremost, some kind of habitat edge similar to actually what me and you hunted with those does uh kind of a you know almost relates to what you're talking about because i hadn't been in there before i've been around it a little bit but i hadn't been in there before and the reason i went to that spot is because it was like hardwoods and then pines like hit those hardwoods there was there was a uh unthin pines on one side thin pines on the other side so one set of pines was pretty open one set of pines was extremely thick and those came to an edge and then that line, that hard edge, ran straight into the hardwood SMZ. Yep. So you had like a three-way intersection of habitat types right there. And that's always a really good spot to start. And also, if you've got one spot morning and evening, I would actually scout in the morning and hunt midday and evening. You know, if if you're just going in blind. I, you, Jacob will probably diff- be different on that one. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, was, really? Yeah, I was going to say kind of taking the Jacob Lishan approach is like, Maybe like at daylight, you know, you get into a spot and you sit for a couple of hours, especially like that mid-October time period. Kind of like what Andrew's talking about, like the the compounding habitat edges, not necessarily just train features. Now, if you have a, like a really good train feature, like 
you know, whether it's a saddle, it's a thermal, or, or really a thermal hub would be awesome, like or a bowl where you have a, a couple different grains come together and you have yeah. habitat edges all come together there. That would be really awesome, especially like on a morning sit. But just sitting until like nine o'clock and then getting down and literally hiking yourself until you find something. Um, and, and just, and, but when you're hiking, focusing on those habitat edges like don't focus on necessarily like wide open train features but like focus on like the habitat edges and especially the more habitat edges you have in one area the higher likelihood you're probably going to have a lot more deer there and also did he specify whether he's trying to kill a buck or just any deer he just said deer okay well yeah just deer awesome now if you're trying to shoot a you know a, a really good buck you know god bless you um you can definitely do it it's just you're gonna have to have a lot of boots on the ground and it really comes down to like deer density if it's a really high deer density area it's gonna be a little bit easier to kind of find some of this stuff if it's yeah. a little bit lower deer density you're gonna have to walk a lot more in order to try to find these locations that these deer are using but yeah i mean i would sit in the morning that first morning until nine o'clock you know if you're seeing movement great but again i would go in i'd go in blind specifically on habitat edges yeah like just go in blind on habitat edges where you have two at least Two's okay, but really three or more habitat edges all come together. Um, and then sit till like nine o'clock. If nothing happens, get down and then start scouting habitat edges. Again, yeah. where you have multiple edges all coming together throughout that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of going from there. Um, and then probably you're going to find something worth sitting on, mm-hmm. um, you know, by, you know, mid afternoon, late afternoon, and then hopefully have an opportunity right at there, you know, right at dusk. Yeah, I agree. And for the rut, I don't know if I'd really change much well, about he, that. Well, he didn't rut. he didn't specify gun hunt was during the rut. He said this later in the season gun hunting. Yes, he did. Uh da, 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 da. and for the da, da. And then you have one more day during the rut later in the season with a rifle. Okay. Okay. Right, you can all listen. I, I just heard I just heard later in the season, you know, with a rifle and I was like, you know, some of these seasons some of these states have like a Yeah. Little little I, I would push back. I would do the same thing for the rut. Uh, because like, here's my thing. Like if you want to just boil it down, if, if you're in a situation where you don't have a lot of boots on the ground and you just, you have to e-scout, I think compounding features are really like your saving grace in that situation. And, and, you know, not being so concerned with just being in a tree, you know, first thing in the morning. Like if I was going in for one day on a rut hunt, I would, I would locate several compounding features whether it be habitat, terrain, or both, ideally both, mm-hmm. um, where you got like three or more edges coming together and maybe they're coming together right in a saddle or mm-hmm. something, you know, something like that. Uh, ideally, have like a couple of those picked out, get out there at daylight, walk into them, check them out, and just pack a lunch and hunt the rest of the day. Yeah. Like, because here's the thing if you got, if you literally have one day to hunt and, and you're very limited on your time, you just you don't need to like leave and go get lunch. Like you just you need to hunt all day. Whether you're in a tree all day or whether you're like walking around and scouting and then yeah. moving around, like don't waste any time going back to the truck and eating a biscuit and going to get a coffee or whatever. Like pack what you need and just maximize your time out there and stay out there the whole time. Mm-hmm. And even when you were working your old job where you were working like 65 hours a week, mm-hmm. that's what you did and you had a lot of success with it. You'd go to yeah. Tennessee and you'd have like one and a half days to hunt. Like you'd have all day sun- Saturday and half of Sunday, and you would just stay in the woods all day Saturday. Yeah, dark to dark. Yeah, dark to dark. You know, you're and that and that worked out a lot for mm-hmm. you, and that's worked out for me too. So I think that's the main thing is like just spend as much time as you can in the woods and don't. But also, the kind of like 
you know, flip side of that is don't be so concerned with getting in a tree that you just set up on the first thing. Yes. You know, that's, yeah, that's another thing. Cause like you, when you're under the gun like that and you have like a very, very limited time, like again, ex- great examples, like what you're talking about in this question, like you have one day to hunt, don't set up on the very first, you know, set of rubs or scrapes you find. Like you, you need to keep working until you find something that like in your gut feeling, you're not settling for it, but like you'll have a gut feeling. And this kind of comes down to some more experience and like, really a lot of a lot more failure but mm-hmm. like you have a gut feeling like this is everything i should be finding yeah with the right habitat right edge there's bedding super close and that's another thing is like i would hone in so much on bedding in this area like mm-hmm. if, if you only have again a day to hunt you better be so tight to that bedding with a good habitat edge there that you know if something moves at any point you're gonna have an opportunity at least seeing or hearing that deer yeah um you i wouldn't be you know, you could use like Jonathan uh, Bones' tactics from a couple weeks ago, where he was talking about like during rifle season. You know, he'll hunt. He likes hunting hill country, a little more open woods, and he wants to get like those shot opportunities where he can get way downwind of a bedding thicket and just kind of like watch like where there's terrain features, habitat edges. He can watch way up in there and, and kind of see when deer are kind of crossing through, and and that can definitely work. Um, and it's not a bad idea. I mean, you know, if this is a place that has a lot of logging activity, you know, anytime you can send on a clear cut, there's always a good opportunity to kill a deer, mm-hmm. but you know, taking that out of the equation, out of the equation, if there's not much logging activity, getting in an area that, you know, it, it's just in your gut, the, the signs there, the tracks are there, the trails are there, I don't, you don't necessarily have to find, I think, rubs and scrapes, but if you can find some specifically rubs in an area, along with a lot of tracks and trails, you're probably going to have a pretty good opportunity for some cruising movement, especially as we're talking about more during the rut when you have a rifle in your hand. Yeah, definitely. All right, uh, we got time for one more. Um, this is from our buddy Kyle Huffstetler. Uh, he said, I recently listened to episode 516 with Shane Parker, and man, it was a good one, but I got a few questions. There was a segment where he said, you cannot access a west-facing hub from the west, because you'll be chasing the deer up. I'm assuming this means if you're hunting, accessing them in the evening. Uh, he said. He also said you cannot access an east-facing hub from the west because you'll be bumping deer down. Does this apply for the mornings before the thermals start pulling? Basically, you want your access to be from the direction that the thermals are rising or falling to be safe. I think I have a good understanding of it, but I bet I'm not the only one that would benefit from a little further breakdown of this topic. Thanks again, guys. For the... West facing hub one, uh, that's actually flipped in the. He's talking it's about a morning. morning hunt. Yeah. So if if you're chasing the deer up, that means in the morning they're going to be going up into a west facing thermal or a west facing thermal hub, and uh, you're basically going to be right behind them going in for a morning hunt. Yep. Versus uh, in the evening, yeah, that's where that thermal switch will like get you. But what were your thoughts? On yeah, that? it's like you're walking in more across when coming in from the north, coming in from the south. Yeah, I try coming in. You know, if it's a west facing hub, try coming from the north or south, depending on what your wind's doing. Because the thing is, thermals play a factor. But again, like, and we've seen this, and I've talked to Shane about this a lot too. If you have very high winds, and when I say very high winds, when you get over ten mile an hour, okay. Now we're not in Kansas or Oklahoma where they have high winds all the time. But if you're over 10 miles an hour, that wind's going to swirl a whole bunch. And, like, those deer, bucks can still smell stuff down there, but it's not as consistent as, like, if it's lower, you know, very light winds, you know, under four or five miles an hour, um, or just light and variable conditions where it's just a pulling thermal going downhill, especially in the mornings. Um, But it's to try to come in with the advantage of coming in crosswind or cross thermal, where you're coming up from the south or coming up from the north for a west or east-facing thermal hub. Um, But, again, it's – super super challenging because you know as shane said in that episode i'll be honest we recorded that episode i think at like 7 30 in the morning 
yeah. Eastern time, which is an hour before where we're you know we're from, and we had hunted real hard. And I, dude, I had so much caffeine and nicotine in my body, dude. You know, be ready for that episode. I was sitting there, and he kept saying that. I'm like, you need to repeat this again for me. Like, explain this again. But um, but yeah, it, it, it's fairly simple. But like, what what he's seeing specifically in the mornings is those bucks are again coming up into that hub. So they're coming from like say like the mouth of the creek. And as you go up into that hub, it starts splitting off. They're like working that up in the morning, yes. catching all those thermals coming down. Yeah. Um, and then in the evening they're like dropping off a point cutting across it with the falling thermal so they can smell everything farther up in that hub um so like you just need to pay attention to that and he talks about like a bit a really big buck he shot last year and just unfortunately wasn't able to recover it was doing exactly that like he was coming up in that hub a western facing hub Mm -hmm. uh, i think it was western facing hub in the mornings um and Shane had to get on one of the ridge points just to like to the side of it where he can kind of like shoot down and shoot across. It was gun hunting um, and, and kind of cover a couple of the different locations in that hub. And it was yeah. a, what he calls like a really killing wind. Like his wind is just off that deer as mm-hmm. it's coming up. Uh, and his thermals are just off that deer as it's coming up into that hub. Yep. But I mean, he has tremendous success. And like, if you see his trail cameras, I mean, a lot of them are in a lot of those kind of yeah. areas and <laughs> he gets a lot of bucks on camera, especially like right around daylight coming through, checking scrapes in that hub and kind of working up. Yeah. And the place he used to hunt, man, some of the deer he had on camera, you would not believe some of the deer he had on yep. camera yep. where he used to hunt. But anyways, uh, I don't have time to do another Q and A. Yeah, so. yeah. So we got two this week. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate that. Uh, appreciate everybody leaving us new reviews. We'll cover some new reviews on uh, next week's breakdown episode. But we appreciate everybody going on Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five star written review. Uh, absolutely love seeing these guys, especially you know if you do have success using something from the podcast, you know definitely write a review too. We'd love to kind of yeah. see um, just kind of what's working for you and maybe you know some future guests you might want to see in the podcast or different conversations you'd like to see on the podcast. And you can leave all that in the reviews itself. But appreciate. Our- Everybody as well watching the podcast on YouTube. Y'all have been killing it. Yeah. Loving it, guys. Love seeing the response. Love seeing a lot of the comments and also the view count going up as well on these YouTube versions of the podcast. So appreciate the support there. And uh, just really appreciate you guys listening to the podcast and sharing the show. So uh, we're going to get out of here. We got to get, I got to get rolling to Arkansas and Andrew's got yeah. uh, some other stuff he's got to get done. But again, appreciate y'all watching. Appreciate y'all listening. And we'll catch you back on the next episode of the Southern Outdoors and Podcast. By the way, we have more merch. Go buy hats. We have a lot of hats, guys. So you can blaze orange hats and a lot of other patch hats. Go check them out. Again, link down in the show notes as well. Go get Get you some Southern Outdoors and merchandise and kill you a deer in one of those hats, man. It'd be awesome. But like I said, thank y'all for watching. Thank y'all for listening. And we'll catch you back on the next episode of the Southern Outdoors Podcast. And remember, y'all stay safe. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you 
really like it, you're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out, and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no-brainer. you got to be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.